Welcome back to yet another Pride the Podcast. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Happy Pride Weekend. We are churning out these episodes, y'all. We are. We churn them out. Somebody's got to have some pride around here. Y'all tired. I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm never tired showing my pride. Okay. Okay. But we've, we've had a really fun week, and I'm really excited for <coughs> our guest that's opening up Pride Weekend, Miss Drag Superstar Ben De La Creme is here with us in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, this has been a really fun week. It's been yes. a really weird week, because uh-huh. usually we would be out in them streets mm-hmm. just showing our pride yeah. and shaking our ass, but We probably have brunch right now. Yeah, but meanwhile, we're inside shaking our ass, so. Yeah. And having brunch today. Who, yeah, who was it that was like, I'm gonna be gay in my house? Who? Probably you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Chef Renee said that. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Uh, it oh, was. She, she did? She uh, did. She did yesterday we on like, yesterday's episode. Yeah, we were like, what are you going to do for Pride? She's like, I don't know, but I will be extra gay in my house. Like, <laughs> That's right. All right. Because right. no. it's hot as hell. It is hot it as is hell. Hot. Oh it is God. hot as hell. But, the, you know, we inside with the AC and we're cooling down. Mm-hmm. I need a new AC. You do? Mine sounds like carburetor. Oh. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> <laughs> how, long have, how long have you had it? Since <gasps> <laughs> I moved to New York. Ten years ago? Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was right. still kicking. I know. Your carburetor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what is funny, though, is we moved to New York about this time ten years ago. So wow. we're coming up on that ten-year anniversary. We should do something <clears throat> special, right? Probably we should eat. probably have a podcast. We, should, we probably will have a podcast. We do have a podcast. <laughs> um, I do want to point out, so tomorrow's Sunday, please mm-hmm. go check out the New York City Instagram that's yep. going to be ran by our very own from Pride the Series, Corey Campercholi, who played Charlie. Yeah. You might see some familiar faces on there. Okay. Um, it's going to be a great time. Um, he's going to be hosting it. Please check that out. Yeah, that's there's, exciting. There's so many events that are going on. I've been getting emails like daily, like all these virtual events. Like Janelle Monet is still doing yes. something. Yep. Um, who else is there? Everybody. Billy Porter. Billy Porter's still doing mm-hmm. something. Everybody that was involved in the traditional parade when they announced months and months ago, they're all still doing something virtual. So that's really nice to see that yeah. all of these artists are still participating in pride. Yeah. And if you yeah. are going to go out and you are going to be still walking to bars and getting, you, you know, marching. a drink or marching, whatever you're going to be doing, please be safe. Please wear a mask. Please still do social distancing. New York, we have done an amazing job yes. taking care of ourselves. We are seeing other states. I'm looking at you, Texas, yep. who has not been doing oh, things Texas. the correct way. Um, you know, Florida, I'm looking at you too. Looking at you, Arizona. <clears throat> they, they, things aren't good for them, so please continue to uh, practice social distancing and wear your mask. Yep. Absolutely. You can still be prideful, but you can still be safe. Mm. And all oh, that reminds me of you saying uh, about virtual. My OnlyFans will be dropping Sunday. <gasps> <of the Friday. laughs> Oh, 
Maya. Can you tell our listeners what your God. first video will be? A pre- give us a preview. Yeah, it's a, a video of, I shot in D.C. one year. But you'll have to subscribe. It'll be only. It'll be like five bucks. So you're a cheapo. You're a cheapo. Hey, I gotta start somewhere. This sounds like a, a pilot, a no. pilot show that don't get picked up. Twenty dollars yeah. a month is five dollars a month. Yeah, are you, are you for like, real though? No. no. I mean, he's, he didn't think about it because he think he got this video that shows everybody how to do the thing. No, you need anything that you want to do. <laughs> I don't know how to do shit. Anything that you decide to do personally needs to be addressed and approved by the rest of the host committee of this uh-huh. podcast. Is that right? Because oh, yeah, that right. we are all a brand and you affect uh, okay. us. Uh-huh. Shit. So, shit. So you can't be showing your ass. Literally. On the internet. Yeah, <laughs> Without our funny. approval. That That's all right. I will funny. just change my name. It'll, it'll, it'll all be good. You know who- we know box wine poppy when we see him. Ah! That is true. You know who did change their name though? Hmm? Our next the- guest. She originally was not Ben De La Creme. She was. Don't. Don't have to find out. Oh, good. Oh, she comes good. back. I thought you were going to talk about the Dixie Chicks. They just changed their name. They're just the chicks now. They're just the chicks. They're just the chicks now, and they're working mm-hmm. on their next album. They haven't had an album since 2007 when they won the Grammy. Mm-hmm. So they're just the chicks now producing their next album because mm-hmm. they're getting with the times, just like Lady A. Uh, that's stupid. Guess, they, there's already a man. Lady A, and you know there was a whole thing behind that because Lady A is actually an African American woman who is a singer, and she's very well known. And she, they actually had to get on a Zoom call to figure out how they were going to do the name and legally. Mm-hmm. And they both agreed to walk away with the name Lady A. But I know Sis got paid. Cause oh, for she sure. Got that money for Absolutely. sure. But for sure. us chicks will be right back with you uh, with <laughs> Ben Delacreme. <laughs> Hello and welcome back. We have the drag superstar Ben De La Creme with us. Hello, De La. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. So nice to be here. Thanks for having yes. me. Thank Thanks you for, for joining us. Here. We're so happy that you're here. So where are you right now? How are you dealing with all of this crazy pandemic? Black Lives Matter. It's just the world is a shit show. Where are you? How are you dealing with that? <laughs> the world is a shit show. Oh my goodness! But you know, hope, hopefully with hopefully with some better outcomes than we started yeah. with. But um, but yeah. Uh, so I'm currently in Los Angeles, which is uh, my partner and I just moved here from Seattle. Um, at the beginning of uh. God, when was it? Uh, March. It was the beginning of March. So we moved here March 1st and have been quarantined since March 14th. So it's like, <laughs> oh, the wrong way to move to a new city. Wow. If you ever are considering moving to a city and then not leaving your house for several months, don't do it. It's not a great. <laughs> well, what have you been doing? Like, how are you experiencing the, like, angelic Los Angeles if you've just been sitting inside and not been able oh, to experience the city? We're not. We're not at all. I mean, <laughs> You know, it's and it's that weird thing, too, where, you know, whenever we reemerge from quarantine, which many people are doing now, but um, tisk tisk is my message to them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, whenever we do reemerge from quarantine, it's that thing where we aren't going to actually get to uh, 
you know, I was so excited to be in a new city and to meet new people and to go to new places. But it's like after being isolated for so long, it's like I actually don't get to see any of my really close friends or go to my favorite restaurants or anything uh-huh. like that. So it's going to be this weird double whammy of reemerging from not seeing another human for so long, and then all the humans are new humans. So it's right. right. But um, but yeah, you know, while while we've been in quarantine, it's been interesting because I've been wanting to get off the road for like a break for like I mean it's been like two and a half years since I've actually just been home for any significant amount of time so that's sort of a silver lining yeah um been doing a lot of work from home been doing some digital drag shows and doing a lot of writing and working on uh future projects for once we can actually be places again um so yeah uh and you know uh walking around uh you know decorating my house uh zhuzhing pillows (laughs) yeah (laughs) so what made you make the move from seattle to la was it specifically your drag career uh well it was it was a combination of things i mean the the things that i will say have you know even without leaving the house are a huge boon is um I have not seen this much sun in 14 years since I moved to Seattle. Right. So, right. Well, it looks good on you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We we have a we have a yard and there's sunshine. I'm uh, so it, Yeah. I mean, it is like a thing where uh, there's several elements from about the move to Seattle, but one of them is that Seattle is one of the most beautiful places in the world for the months of June and July. And I have not been home in June or July for nine years. So it was time to live somewhere where I was, you know, like winter wasn't unbearable. Right. And then, you know, and then it's also, um, uh, the part of it's the gentrification of Seattle. Like it's changed so much as a city since we moved there. It really was like such a fun little cool queer neighborhood we moved to. And it's just, you know, Amazon's based there and it's just transformed it into like a young techie playground. Um, so those were a couple of things. And then, you know, really the biggest thing was there's all these opportunities in, in Los Angeles. And I've been, you know, approached for auditions and various things over the years, but it's always, can you be here tomorrow? And it's, I can never be there tomorrow. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I figure it's a, it's a cool, uh, opportunity to just sort of like see what can happen, you know, and Mm -hmm. It's shockingly, you know, I feel like I'm in a very blessed place in that it's low risk. Most people have to move to Los Angeles and sort of be like, oh, I hope this works out. My work is not located anywhere since I tour all the time. So the only thing that can happen here are opportunities, but I don't lose anything. I'm not like moving away from my job. So. Right. Mm. That's awesome. You are blessed. You are. I mean, (laughs) so Dela, to get right into it, I'm a huge fan of you. I'm so I'm so <laughs> glad you agreed to come on this podcast. I, I cannot. Um, it's very surreal for me. Um, but I want to take it back to basics for all of our listeners. When did you first do drag? Like, when did you first decide to get in drag? How did you come up with the name Bendela Creme? Let us know how you were born, basically. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, you know, watch out because I <laughs> am the queen of long meandering answers. So I love that. Yeah. Love it. give it to us. We got nothing but time. <laughs> So, um, I was born September 24th, 1981 in Boston, Massachusetts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I, when I was, people often ask me sort of when I started doing drag and the, my answer is basically that I never feel like I really started doing drag. I feel like, you know, as a child, I expressed myself, um, you know, I was I was a very feminine sort of genderqueer kid in the world. And 
uh, all of my sort of pretend play stuff was all, uh, you know, I used to love to wrap myself in towels and pretend they were gowns and, you know, and I was, yeah. <laughs> always loved makeup and feminine stuff. I mean, that was always part of me and how I expressed myself since long before I knew what drag was. And as soon as I started seeing drag queens, which is, you know, my first exposure to that was really um, when the Wigstock documentary came out in the 90s. And, and it was less of like, oh, I want to do that. And it was more like, oh, that's what I am. And it, and so for me, then I started learning a lot more, teaching myself about, you know, makeup and, and outfits and studying uh, performance in different ways. But I really feel like, um, for me, drag is like deep in here. And even if I didn't know what it was called, if I didn't have like the language for it, I would still be doing this kind of thing, you know? Right. So, yeah. um, so, uh, but I, I, uh, I really, you know, it was like, I was that kid in high school in my small rural town in Connecticut that was super conservative, who still dressed like Marsha Brady for Halloween, you know? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I moved to, I was living in Connecticut as a kid and then I moved to Boston uh, when I was 18 and I started going to like underage clubs and kind of like trying to see as much drag as I could. And I dressed up as, as best I could with the resources I had. Um, then I went to college in Chicago. And as soon as I turned 21, I started entering amateur competitions and sort of getting gigs around uh, Boys Town through that. Uh, I started sort of, uh, learning about getting exposed to the burlesque community around then, which is really where I kind of found my home. It was like, that was the approach and the attitude that made more sense to me than like the nightclub drag scene. Right. So I really, uh, then uh, I moved to Seattle for really no reason in 2006, just kind of <laughs> as I was done with Chicago. Um, I was, uh, <laughs> like, I'll see how it works. Let's get more winter. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, oh, there is nothing like a Chicago winter. Let me tell you, when I moved to Seattle and it was just like gray and rainy, I was like, oh, wow, this is like a tropical vacation. Compared to <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I was kind of like, uh, I've always wanted to live on the West Coast. I don't know any of the cities. I'll move to Seattle. If I don't like it, I'll move to a different place on the West Coast. And within a year, I mean, in Chicago, I'd been working like, four jobs at a time. I was an intern at a theater. Like, like I was, I was like one of those wildly taken advantage of uh, interns at a theater company. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Spread you thin. Know, you know it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I was in school. It was just like a million things. And it was just like, I was always struggling. Basically within a year of moving to Seattle, I started having full-time work as a performer. And it was just kind of fell into place. There was, I moved there at this perfect time when, uh, burlesque and cabaret and contemporary dance and, uh, and various forms of like vaudeville comedy stuff. It was all, uh, Seattle was kind of having this renaissance moment of all of this stuff happening. And I got hired at a place called the Can Can Cabaret in the Pike Place Market, which is like the Seattle tourist trap. And <laughs> I got hired as the MC there and I, uh, I auditioned in drag. And so suddenly I was performing like six nights a week, you know, and it was amazing. Wow. And so I was yeah. like, there was just something in Seattle where I was like, oh, this is where it's gonna, like, I was supposed to be here, you know, and it was- Found your tribe. <laughs> but, um, but the, so the whole way that my name came about was when I was working in Chicago, I was this very punk rock, uh, like sort of angsty character. My drag name was Tina Angst. And I was like, <laughs> uh, 
uh, it was like Riot Girl and punk music and all this stuff. I was really like, it was a very different vibe. Um, I eventually kind of came around to, oh, I'm kind of being reactive about all of my feelings about like, uh, the world doesn't accept me, uh, gay culture doesn't quite accept me. And that was so much of what was manifesting in my art. And then I kind of realized, oh, this isn't changing anything. I'm not feeling any better, right? So what I found was that I started moving toward a drag character who was really optimistic and really warm and really loving. And I was like, oh, this changes people. People around mm -hmm. me become more like this when I'm more like this. So it's actually, yeah. that's a better way to handle the sort of angst that I feel. So the name Ben de la Creme was I basically got hired at this cabaret and they wanted me not to do drag all the time because they thought it was too subversive. So I was supposed to perform in and out of drag. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did a bunch of gender fuck, which by the way is way more challenging to a straight audience than drag. But <laughs> <laughs> so I needed a name that worked for all of it. Uh, and my given name is Ben. So I just picked Ben de la Creme as this name that could work for all genders. And then it was like, well, that's the name I'm being booked under. I guess that's my name forever. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. awesome. So then like from there, you like, how long from there was it you auditioned for uh, RuPaul's Drag Race? Yeah. Uh, oh God. Uh, I don't even know what year it was when I did season six, um, but I'd <laughs> been in, I think Drag Race premiered the year I moved to Seattle because I remember seeing online that first round of auditions uh, for the first season. Mm -hmm. So, what's that? Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah, no. Uh, that was just a horn in the background. And our, <laughs> New York. Yeah, we're our, in New York. Our New York City traffic just happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought like somebody was giving like a fun exclamation. It was like a New York uh, tongue pop. I didn't know. We, we, we paid her <laughs> to come by. Yeah. <laughs> they were all by. We all were kind of like, oh, Jesus. Perfect. Watch out with ganja. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I so drag race was a thing and it was you know it, it obviously picked up a lot of momentum in those first few years and season four with Sharon Needles and Latrice Royale and I mean that was the season where it really was like mm -hmm. the game, yeah it is definitely they just I mean they just figured out the formula on that right yeah, yeah. Exactly. and the cast was out of control and Sherry yeah. was the like the first real underdog winner they yeah. had. Yeah. She really was. Yeah. Um so uh so I had I mean I'd been aware of it since it started and people were always like you should audition you should audition and I was like I don't know I really like what I'm doing I'm like doing my mm -hmm. own work I'm producing like I was I was producing shows in Seattle locally I had full creative control and I also had full anonymity. Like nobody knew who I was out of drag. Like I would have fans who would come to all my shows who were also my barista and didn't recognize me. And I loved, <laughs> I loved being like left alone when I wasn't performing. Right. So a lot of those things were the reasons that I was like, mm. but I was also very good friends with Jinx Monsoon. And yes. we talked about it and she was like, I think I'm gonna audition this year. And I was like, maybe I should too. Nah, I'm not gonna. She auditioned, she got on, she won. And I was like, <laughs> fuck that, I'm going on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was like my turn. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. So I, I uh, basically, I decided I was gonna audition. I worked really hard on my tape. I. Uh, 
I didn't hear from them at all, which is either a great sign or a terrible sign. It either means like they chose you initially or it means they dismissed you initially because everybody else, they're like, can you give us more of this? Can you send us another tape? Can you send us more pictures? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to proceed as if this is happening. I'm going to prepare as much as I possibly can. And then I think like a week before we flew out, I got the call and they were like, you're on. And I was like, oh, shit. That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, you were phenomenal on season six. Yes. But then you were extra phenomenal on All Stars, which is why they reached out to you. Um, How was that experience from not winning season six? And I'm sure you were upset, or maybe you weren't. You're just cool with it. But then getting the call for All Stars, what was that like? Yeah, you know, uh, season six was... um, I was not cool with it, but but not like, but not in sort of, I mean, I'm not a super competitive person who was like, oh, I want this crown. It was more like, God, I thought I was really doing well. What did I do wrong? Like, it was that thing where after we filmed it, I was like, when this is televised, am I going to like see major flaws in myself that I don't know about? You know, it was like a lot of insecurity and, um, and then the thing aired and I was like, oh no, I was fantastic. They just didn't choose me, you know? So, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, so that's like, you know, nice. And then everybody got like super mad when I was eliminated and I was like, well, that's vindicating. Um, (laughs) I was upset. I would always say, and I'll say it, to her face too is like I think you should have gone on as instead of um oh my god I just drew a blank <laughs> who went who is a uh, top who wins as a top four um, Marion Lake Marion She's like, a little I lady. Karen, She's very but, talented. Yeah, oh, yes, very talented. But, but I was however, like, however, it should have been you. I promise you're going to win. I, I, I was winning a lot of money because like, like, cause we were doing a drive. We do this. Uh, we do a fantasy, like, league. a fantasy league. And I was choosing you every week. I was like, I got it. I got it. These men child, get it, get it, get it. And when you and I said, Man, Darren. Okay, fine. But it, I actually think I ended up winning like that fantasy league. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, like, I'm sorry for all the money I must have lost you on All Star. No, me yes. You'll get the bill. <laughs> but um, yeah, I uh, so it was you know I came off of it. It was like I I didn't know anything about what reality TV would be like to film. I mean, reality TV is a bizarre thing. I don't really like watching it. I never liked watching it before. Um, you know, I, the, I love so many things about Drag Race. I mean, I obviously love drag so much. Um, I love seeing the talent and the skills. I love watching people, seeing how they tackle the challenges. Um, you know, but just kind of, uh, continuing off what, you know, the thing about Darian is it's like, I wanted to stay instead of Darian as well. But, you know, that's the thing is like, how do you quantify, um, you know, these different types of drag. Like, how do you quantify, like, you know, it's like ranking it in so many ways doesn't allow for like the fullness of everything drag can be. And there's so much manufactured drama. So, right. you know, yeah. I, I enjoyed season six. I was like, I'm very, I'm so grateful I did it. it. It, you know, I had a lot of great experiences. I met wonderful people. It gave me amazing opportunities. But I really was like, oh, I'm never going to do reality TV again. And when they called me, and when they when they premiered All Stars 2, and they changed the rules so the queens had to eliminate each other, yeah. I was like, 
fuck this. I actually think like on the second episode when a door went home, somebody requested an interview from me like the next day. And I was so pissed. I like went on this rant about the all-stars rules <laughs> and yeah. how pissed off I was. And um, which of course I was like, this was like a local Seattle paper. And then of course it's like, blew up and went everywhere and it was like it was about a show I was doing it was about like a million other things and the one chunk that was me talking about TV is of course all Reddit cared about um, yeah, right. but uh but yeah you know I really was like eh, I'm done I don't like watching this anymore it doesn't feel good to me so when they called me for all stars I said no and I said no and then mm-hmm. they called me again and I said no and then they called me again and I said no and wow. then they just kept at it and it became this thing where I was like if they'd asked once and I had said no, it just would have yeah. been like, great, this is cut and dry. Right. But the more they put it on the table, the more it was like, God damn it, you are making sure that I'm going to have regrets either way. Because part of yeah. me doesn't believe in this structure. Yeah. And then this other part of me is like, I've never backed down from anything. Like, I've yeah. never yeah. not accepted a challenge. And, mm-hmm. you know, and and I knew I had more to offer than I did however many years ago, you know? Yeah. So I finally said yes, and I was really conflicted about it. And I talked to my therapist about it like 24 hours a day. And (laughs) I was like, um, you know, I was just like, if I go on here, I'm gonna feel like I compromised some things about myself. And if I don't, then I'm gonna feel like I kind of missed out on something Mm -hmm. that could have been really cool. Mm -hmm. And then the most magical thing in the world happened, which is that I was really good at everything and won everything. And then it got to this magical moment (laughs) where it was like the skies parted and I saw this like ultimate truth moment of clarity reveal itself in a way that all I ever do is like, like, hem and haw about every decision I've ever had to make in my entire life. And in this one moment, I was like, oh my God, I have won everything here. Everyone knows that I'm slated to win this thing. We all yeah. know how this is going to go down. Yeah. I feel like I'm really at the mercy of other people, like these producers, by continuing to play this elimination game that I have spoken out against. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, I get to have both things that I never yeah. thought I would be able to have. And it was just this moment of like, oh, this decision feels so simple. I have got everything I want right now, and I never thought that I would be able to. And so it was amazing. I mean, I really, I'm so happy I went on All Stars. I'm so yeah. pleased with how it all shook out. I'm really delighted with how my life has changed since. And yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, uh, which leads me to my next question is because, like, I know you probably received a lot of hate or, you know, a lot of uh, Reddit trash and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is, like, how do you keep yourself so positive and, like, motivated with this new generation of, like, fandom that are just a bunch of Twitter warriors and are, like, keyboard warriors? And, yeah. Like, because I know um, right now with season five, um, Mayhem Miller spoke out and she was like, it, please don't be surprised when one of these queens hurts themselves because y'all are terrible. You're awful. So it's like, how do you keep yourself motivated and positive in this new generation? Yeah, you know, I mean, I do think I do get really sad and angry about it because I do think that uh, for whatever reason, um, we as queens in people's minds seem to ride this weird line between um, being 
fair game because we put ourselves out there. We're like personalities, but also accessible in a way that bigger celebrities aren't. And it's this perfect mm-hmm. storm of things that make people think it's okay to talk to us in a really horrible way a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, first of all, I'm really glad I already had season six under my belt where I really got nothing but very positive feedback and yeah. the negative feedback I had gotten and that I witnessed other girls getting. I'm glad that I had that preparation to know how not to engage after All Stars. Um, right. Because it really is, you just have to focus on the good stuff. And we as humans have the urge all the time to focus on whatever's negative in front of us. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but the reality is that after I left All Stars, the outpouring of love and appreciation was huge. And there were a bunch of people out there who had like negative opinions. Sure. But I didn't really focus on on that. I mean, I knew not to look for it. Like I- Right, don't read the comments. But, um, but I mean, I got tons of emails and letters in the mail and messages that were from people who said such amazing things that really made me feel like, okay, what I was thinking did actually translate, how I felt did actually translate. I had people Absolutely. being like, you know what? Uh, I've hated my job for 10 years and I saw what you did and I quit my job because I hate uh-huh. my job and I don't and I didn't, I don't know why I felt like I had to be that. I was in a shitty relationship for a really long time. And I left my partner because I realized I don't need to be in that relationship just because somebody said I did. And that was like, that was huge. It's like, no matter how many people tell you that like, you ruined my favorite season of television. It like, <laughs> it's like a comparison to somebody saying, oh my God, you helped me shift something huge in my life for the better. Right, yeah. and that's a big win all in itself. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit here. So we all know what's going on with like the revolution and Black Lives Matter movement. And you have been very supportive, which which thank you. And um, encouraging everybody else to speak out. So can you just speak on how those interactions have been and also how important do you think it is that the LGBTQ community support the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's... Uh... I mean, I think it's everyone's duty right now. I think specifically white people, just we all have to fucking show up right now and yeah. and and do the work beyond lip service. It's really, I mean, what it feels like to me as a white person is that we have all like collectively, you know, I mean, whatever, there's like racist and white supremacists but aside from them like the rest of us have been like collectively sort of like we all see this are we going to talk about it are we going to do anything no okay Mm -hmm. all right I guess I won't if you're not going to and it's like that damn just burst where we're all like why did we all agree not to fucking talk about this why did we all agree to like go, you know, and it's like a real moment of self-reflection where we have to be like, oh yeah, you know what? I did, I was complacent for my entire life and it is time to change. It's time to change everything Mm -hmm. permanently. And, um, And I think it's an amazing relief to see that so many people seem to be at that at that tipping point and in that shift. Yeah. And I really yeah. hope that everyone stays there. Um, I mean, for, for me, it was like, uh, you know, uh, right when the protests first started, um, I was just like trying to figure out like, what tools do I have? I don't feel knowledgeable enough. I don't feel like I, 
I know enough. And I was like, well, what I have is a platform and some money, you know? So I started doing a thing where I was saying like, here's an organization of the day. I will match your first thousand dollars in donations to this thing. But what wound up happening, which was amazing, was that you know, I contributed my thousand, but by the end of the day, we would have made like 8,000 because it was just a thing where it motivated people to feel like they're, and a lot of the contributions were small. They were like five bucks, but it it made that matching just kind of container made people feel like, oh, my small amount matters, which is like, hopefully that thinking translates to my vote matters, translates to my voice Mm -hmm. matters, my presence at a protest matters, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's, um, you know, also it it's Pride Month, it's June, and the, the GLBTQ people who can't see the correlation between the GLBTQ people who are like, uh, is rioting and protesting really the right re- right way to go right now? It's like, what do you think Pride Month is? Like, that was Stonewall. Like, Stonewall was not a bunch of blonde shirtless twinks on, with bubble machines. You know? <laughs> it's like, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, I mean, you know, people are like, oh, but looting, blah, blah, blah. It's like uh, Stonewall was six days of looting. It was the mm-hmm. first day, you know? It's like, you know, so um, so I think it's, it's important for everybody to be involved. It's really important for queer people to see the correlation in these fights and how much we needed allies in that fight mm-hmm. and um, and how much people of color in general were a part of that fight and now it's time for the white members of this community to fucking show up and fight Hello. you know amen yes yes so um yeah i don't know it's just it's so intertwined and it's crazy to me when people don't seem to see it being intertwined and i think just the toxicity of privilege is so clear right now and we all just really have to look at it and uh, <laughs> it's uncomfortable but we gotta say, do it yeah a lot of what's going on right now is exposing people and like mm-hmm. it's like wow you really don't give a shit <laughs> okay good to know well check <laughs> you gotta yeah. do stuff about it right you know and i think so many people stop doing it like they're afraid to do anything because they're like oh, i'm not gonna do it right i'm not gonna right. do enough and it's like right. uh-uh you're not you're not gonna reverse hundreds of years of this shit today right but you can be better today than you were yesterday and you can be better tomorrow than you were today and that's what Absolutely. you have to do and you have to be willing to make mistakes and you have to be willing to have somebody be mad at you like, yeah. yeah, yes. And I think learn from a, it instead of shy away. A big right. thing, people are like, I don't want anybody to be mad at me or think that I'm racist or this and that. It's just like, just show up and fight and mm-hmm. we'll correct you along the way if we need be. Then be yeah. open to correction. Yes, exactly. and be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Mistakes are part of growth and you don't grow without failing sometimes. And that's just what it, how it is. Exactly. Yeah. A beautiful message. Mm-hmm. So staying on a positive note, it <laughs> is Pride Month and it's Pride Week. Yes. Do you have any like special like Sunday Pride uh, plans or anything that you're special that you're doing to celebrate Pride amongst these crazy times? Oh my goodness. You know, I was just talking with uh, Jinx Monsoon the other day about this because we were kind of reflecting on what Pride is for us. And it's like, we were thinking about those like early days, like, you know, 15 years ago when we were at Prides, we were like, you know, we would get in a drag at like 7 a.m. and we'd be in drag till 3 a.m. and we'd just be like, like 
making the most of it and going to all the things and having all the plans. And now it's like pride is the most insane work week of the, right? <laughs> like it's right, like, right. It's actually like, you know, it's a different perspective. Um, and it's very odd to be off the road right now for pride, right? Because I'm used to it. Just yeah. like, oh God, pr- brace yourself for this month. Um, but you know, I, like, I don't have, uh, anything huge going on. I mean, I'm not, you know, for the first time in a long time, I'm not, you know, working for pride. I've been doing some digital stuff. I've been recording a lot of videos for different organizations. Um, but you know, I think, uh, right now, like I said, I'm home kind of working on some projects and I think it's just a really good time, uh, to take advantage of quarantine and this downtime that we all have, which by the way, yeah. I think is really linked to why we are having a revolution right now. It's yeah. like people. Yeah. Yes, you know, absolutely. And it's like, let's take advantage of that and use this time we have honoring what pride really is, thinking about why we're really here, not getting distracted. It's like sad that we don't get to be distracted with parades and parties and getting super drunk, yeah. but it's like, <laughs> right. but, <laughs> But let's find the silver lining there and use the time we have to really reflect on what pride is and how that plays into what's happening right now. And I think so, you know, for me, it's like, it's a joyous time. It's a joyous weekend in a different way where we can just really reflect on, holy crap, I am in a better place than I was as a kid. I'm in a better place than people were generations before me. And these are all the amazing people who have helped to make that happen. Yeah, Yeah. staying positive. Absolutely. Um, so you did um, WQUR, uh, which is a, for our listeners out there, Queer Quarantine Radio. I want to talk to you about that. How was that experience? Kind of talk about that with us. Because you said, you're like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I was like, no, nah, I just listened to it. So, <laughs> so tell us about that. It's like, what do you mean you're not doing that? You're doing a lot. I'm not doing anything by my normal standards, which means like okay. I sleep seven hours a night. You know, like yeah. I uh, <laughs> right. like that's, that's being lazy. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, so Queer Quarantine Radio is really fun and it's one of those um, projects that was really, it was like born out of necessity when all of this started. So like I said, we moved to LA uh, March 1st and I was not here. I actually like we moved here and then I went to San Francisco and was doing a show with Peaches Christ and Jinx Monsoon Mm -hmm. and we were in rehearsal and it was like the ordinances from the city kept kind of like coming in. It was like, okay, now it can't be more than 2000 people. Now, not more than 1000, now 500, now 200. It was like, okay, we're not doing a show. So the show got canceled like two days before we were supposed to go on. And we were all kind of sitting around at dinner and like, uh, do we have jobs anymore? (laughs) (laughs) So we started kind of talking about what kind of project we could do under the circumstances and the obvious thing is sort of audio video uh, you know podcasting is huge but there's like a million drag queen podcasts out there that are conversational and people just you know kind of like um you know like sort of improv just kind of going which is great but it's like willem and alaska are amazing at that like trixie and katya are amazing at that like I want to let those experts do their thing. We all are like stage actors and directors and writers. And we were like, oh, that's what I haven't seen in this format is like old timey radio plays. So we started conceptualizing this thing. And uh, yeah, so it just turned into this full scope thing where we're like, 
oh, okay, yeah. And then there's going to be a murder mystery and then there's going to be a detective noir. And then there's going to be a sitcom and then we'll write all these commercials in between. And this <laughs> thing that was originally supposed to be like, it'll just be fun and casual turned into like, you know, a 60 hour work week. Sounds like Pride the Series Pride podcast. Anything <laughs> Pride We all say we're going to be fun on YouTube. Well, here we are. <laughs> Amazon, uh, stress. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like I have yet in my life to discover a project that feel that I feel like insanely proud of that did not require blood, sweat, and tears. Um, but I'm really, you know, it's the work is worth it. It was a huge learning curve because all of us were kind of learning about the technology for the first time. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first episode we had to re-record like four times because we all sounded like we were at the bottom of a well. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I, uh, it's, it's just been super fun to figure out, uh, you know, this, this new type of format, how we work together as artists. I've never written collaboratively with three other people before. Um, and it's really, uh, it's, it's fun. And then it's like, it's, you know, there's so many weird challenges to doing something that's audio only, mm -hmm. uh, so we wound up finding all these weird jokes within that where we're like over explaining what's happening and then justifying why the character would be doing that. And it's like leaning into the ridiculousness of it was really fun. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a blast. But actually since sort of the the world truly exploded, we, um, we have kind of been like, okay, we're gonna put this on hold. There's more important things for us to focus on right now and, and we'll come back to the project because there's no expiration date on it, so. Right, right, right. And that's kind of what we did. It was like, let's switch gears and like, <laughs> let's use our platform now to right. help raise a, you know, black awareness. pattern and awareness. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. People can see us on screen anytime. That's not what it's about now. Like now having these conversations with someone who's like as influential as you, like that's what's important. People mm -hmm. who are out there actually making a change and making a difference. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's, it's just, it's time for all of us to shift gears and that's, true of yeah performers and artists and people with platforms but also just like soccer moms and well this this has been an amazing this conversation been... but before we let you go before we wrap up my friend ashley over here has a question for you well not a question but two things so one <laughs> i have to say first of all your snatch game in referencing back to drag race is on point <laughs> Your Maggie Smith is my favorite snatch game of Arupa. all the time. Arupa. All the time, I'm like, Arupa, is it? <laughs> like, it is well, my thank favorite. you. I laugh every time I see it. And then also, one of my other favorite moments of you and Drag Race history is when you were doing, when you were Julie Andrews and you were mm -hmm. doing the RuPaul rap. <laughs> it was just so like on point. Yeah. <laughs> it was so on point and in character and... I don't know. Do you remember the words? Like, could you like split us a few bars or something? I don't know. Like, that's uh, a good let's see. Um, guess who's back in the <clears throat> <laughs> who's back in the house? Heels click clacking about. Fine, fresh, feminine. Uh, dial to eleven. A divine, so heavenly. Gentlemen sweating. It's dance across the board, no doubt. Body like wow. Pussy about to end this drought. Fish, fish queen, feminine. Don't make sense for a bitch to be this endowed. I've been that bitch. Yes, I love that drama. Fishy, feminine, up and comer. From the Clintons to the Obamas, I keep it tight. Now they call me mother. Yeah! <laughs> Yes, please! I live! My, heart, my heart jumped out of my chest. Thank I you. live! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that literally 
made by pride. No, no, literally, oh. my cheeks hurt from smiling. No, I, I can, I'm shaking. I'm. Thank you. And this is one of wow. my best, best rap, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race moments ever. She like, does it oh. all the time, <laughs> so we know. I did. That is amazing. Talk Thank about like so the, the best rap to an episode ever. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Literally. Classic. Classic. Yes. Well, thank you, Ben Delacreme. This has been so much fun. So much fun. My head is hurting because right. I still get so smiling. <laughs> right. We really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and just sharing some joy with us. Yes. Especially during these times. You are just a light and we love you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was so wonderful to get to chat with you all. You're all wonderful. And I'm very, very glad that we got to to have this celebratory pride moment together. Yes, yes. I love this yes. Kiki. And when we come to LA next time, we can get together in person. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah, we'll wear masks Brunch. and send 10 feet away or there'll be- yeah. Right, right. right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You so much. All right. Thank, Thank you. Bye, Bye. 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 Bye.